1: DMV Download, the new daily podcast from WTOP News, is out now. Hosts Megan Clorty and Luke Garrett get the story behind the story. Every weekday afternoon, Megan and I will go beyond the headlines with WTOP reporters and sources to bring you more on the biggest local stories impacting you, our fellow Washingtonians.
0: The DMV Download podcast is available now on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe today so you don't miss an episode. The DMV Download podcast is presented by Steamfitters Local 602.
1: Twenty years ago today, Jesse Eisenberg made his feature film debut in Roger Dodger, sparking a career of memorable roles, from an angsty teen in The Squid and the Whale to a zombie hunter in Zombieland, from Mark Zuckerberg in The Social Network to Lex Luthor in Batman Vs. Superman. I spoke to Eisenberg in 2013 when he came to D.C. to promote his hit magician flick Now You See Me.
0: Yeah, thank you very much for coming here. Anytime I did anything in the movie, I had to know how I was doing it, just because my character knows not only how he's doing it, but he knows the reaction it's going to elicit from the other people. So I I would ask, you know, how can I do this? Talk me through exactly how I would do this. And what is the reaction you get when you perform something like this? You know, what do people expect? And um, I was reading a lot about like the history of magic and the history Mm. of the magic that I was doing, but I very quickly realized that was not gonna help me. What was gonna help me was practicing because my character had to do sleight of hand magic that I had not enough time to learn. You know, my character would have been practicing for 25 years, mm-hmm. eight hours a day. That's what these guys do, all of them. And they all walk around with a deck of cards in their hand. What really is, like, what separates a master magician and, like, the amateur magician is, I think, the discipline and the work that they put into it. So I was reading about magic, and I was watching magic shows, and then I realized at some point I have to, like, not read anything else and just practice. And so I just practiced every day, I would walk around with a deck of cards every day, and just became proficient in some basic sleight-of-hand moves. Yeah, I learned like a lot of the basic principles of magic, and then we went to see like David Copperfield show mm. and um, David Blaine, Penn and Teller, and I kind of knew how they did a lot of it because I understand like you know like ten basic principles of how you make a big thing disappear, how you make a motorcycle appear on a table when there's no motorcycle. You know, you learn like the basic principles, and then you can kind of extrapolate how they would do certain things. And then I would see, so the magic consultant on this movie, his name is David Kwong, and he took me to these shows. And he, you know, um, we would talk about the shows afterwards. And I would say, I think I know this. I think I know this. I think I know this. And he and I would say, and how did they do this? And he, was, he would say, I have no idea. Yeah, he would, they would there are even some tricks that still stump magicians. And those are the tricks that are the best, because if they're stumping, you know, the industry, then they must be really great. Now, did you
1: latch onto one of these magicians you went to see more than the others, or was it more of a com- composite of all the different ones you saw? Yeah, it was
0: more of a composite. When I yeah. first met with Louis Leterrier, the director of the movie, I said I would like to play kind of like David Blaine. Uh, he dresses in jeans and is casual and kind of, um, you know, almost. Mm, affects an air of disinterest. And he said he didn't want that. He wanted something more like Copperfield, you know, somebody who's kind of flashy. Uh, But Copperfield kind of seems to me like he's from a different generation of magicians, kind of the more showman. Uh, And so I got to kind of meld, like, the two of them, like, somewhere in between. Somebody who's comfortable performing on the street and, like, seems kind of like a guy mm, who can appear casual, but then also uh, the kind of intense... mm, uh, the intensity of like David Blaine. and I think also for the movie, it's probably better to be an intense character because when you're I don't know very casual in movie, the movies the scenes can fall a little flat. so it was important for me to kind of have this intensity and how does that work coming with an idea that you
1: you had an idea for the character sounds like with one the one guy and it mm-hmm. sounds like the director came with another. how does
0: that how do you go about melding the two visions? Um, it's interesting like when i when they first told me, when he first told me like, how he wanted, I, I like, disagreed vehemently. And I, I almost like, didn't want to do the movie because I had not signed on to the movie. Yet. We were just talking generally about the character. And he told me what he wanted me to wear. And I just thought it was not right because it felt to me like too fancy. They wanted me to like dress in nice clothes. Louis is French, so he like, wanted to wear nice French. The actors <laughs> to wear, like nice French clothes. And it just seemed wrong to me. And then he showed me pictures um, that he had some that he had an artist draw of the characters and how they would look, and I immediately realized the aesthetic he was going for, and I also immediately realized he was right and so it's the kind of discussion that I have not had many of because normally I play characters that seem just more kind of real world characters in movies that are not kind of heightened like this, and so I mm-hmm. thought. So I haven't really had disagreements, because normally it's self-explanatory and straightforward. But um, I realized he was right, and I also realized, like, you know, this actually would be good for me to step out of my comfort zone of playing a guy who's, like, an average guy and play a character who's, like, a more intense showman. And I realized that's good for me, and it's something I kind of... um, It's something I probably am hesitant to do, but when I'm forced to do it, like in a movie like this, I really enjoy it. Well, it's just like when I took on the role, I kind of had one, um, well, I just, mm, it just, uh, I guess stepping out of my comfort zone is like playing a character that is so... Confident and thinks he's the best at something Mm -hmm. because it's not how I feel about like In my personal life like when they sent me the script I was doing a play in New York and I was like my character in the play was like this terrified boy And I also had so much stage fright like doing the show every night We were doing it in a small theater in New York, Mm -hmm. but I was just so nervous and then I read the script and I thought well this would be a great challenge to um, See if I could play a guy who's so confident and see Mm -hmm. like who thinks he's so great at what he does And what ended up happening was that not only did I really like playing the role, but it actually gave me confidence as a performer because it made me switch on that thing in your brain that you switch off to when you're being Mm self-destructive. So I was actually like, it was kind of therapeutic in a way. I saw a little magic when I was growing up because my mother was a birthday party clown who performed at children's birthday parties, but she didn't perform at my birthday parties because it was a conflict of interest, and who would she get paid by? It would be herself. And she would probably, yeah, yeah it's a free clown, right, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly, and that was the other thing. Like, it would be embarrassing, because my friends knew that she was my mother, and so it might be strange, and then she's like, she would have to say, where's the birthday boy? And she would already know, because <laughs> it was me. Um, so what happened was she bartered with a local magician who performed at my birthday parties, and she performed for his kids' birthday parties. And so um, I was I knew magic, but I was always frustrated by magic, because I was frustrated not knowing what was not knowing how it was done. So I liked being able to do this movie and finding out how things were done. Because one of the interesting parts of this movie is like uh, Morgan Freeman's character. He plays like a magic debunker who tells um, the FBI how we've pulled off these tricks. And so it was cool when I read the script for me to see like kind of behind the curtain. And even though I wasn't interested in magic, I was interested in like performance and I'm interested in all different kinds of performance because my mother was a clown and I do like very kind of intimate downtown theater which is like the opposite of performing as a clown in terms of mm, presentation and style and relationship to the audience where as a clown you're trying to ingratiate yourself to the audience in a very direct way and as an actor in a small play you're trying to almost alienate the audience, not alienate the audience but kind of show something new. So it was interesting for me to read a script about a performer and see how they are and I know what the discipline is of performing. I know like What it's like to be prepared to go on stage and that's an exciting thing for me to think about so i was able to relate to the character in that way i guess
1: stay tuned for the rest of my conversation with jesse eisenberg but first a message from a fellow wtop podcast DMV Download, the new daily podcast from WTOP News, is out now. Hosts Megan Clorty and Luke Garrett get the story behind the story. Every weekday afternoon, Megan and I will go beyond the headlines with WTOP reporters and sources to bring you more on the biggest local stories impacting you, our fellow Washingtonians.
0: The DMV Download podcast is available now on all major podcast platforms. Subscribe today so you don't miss an episode. The DMV Download podcast is presented by Steamfitters Local 602. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S., the person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel.
1: Welcome back to Beyond the Fame with the rest of my conversation with Jesse Eisenberg.
0: When I read the script, I thought this is a great opportunity for me because um, I can play a character who loves performing. And as I said, I really wanted to do something like that. And then I really liked how unpredictable the script was. I very rarely get sent movies like this with kind of complicated plots. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, they normally send me characters who have a relationship problem with their mother. And (laughs) so um, this was like a unique script to get. And I thought that, uh, so he didn't have to like push me that hard. I kind of wanted to do it too. The only thing he had to push me on was to like was to get me comfortable with playing this character that was flashy because to me it felt like it could be cheesy if the character is like so flashy but then I was thinking about it but the more I thought about it and prepared for it the more I realized well this guy is actually flashy because he's created this persona for himself he's changed his name to Atlas he is the best magician in the world so he's actually created this persona that you could either find crazy or not but he takes it seriously and once I could do that with a character, then I'm fine. Once I can start to find like, the logical basis for the way they behave, mm-hmm. then I'm fine. I could do anything within the parameters. I mean, I loved working with Woody Harrelson. We were going to do a sequel to Zombieland that I guess ultimately turned into a television series yeah. or something. So we uh, wanted to work together again. We have a similar working style. And um, when they told me they were thinking of Woody for it, I thought it would be great, especially because the characters in this movie have a different dynamic. We're kind of like peers and rivals in the movie. So I think because we have a different dynamic in this movie, it's okay. I think if we had the same relationship as we did in Zombie Land, I think it would just be annoying to see us like trying to hijack this movie with our other funny bit. But right. we don't really have that. We're like I'm condescending to him and in the other movie I was like you know kind of terrified of him. Oh, and gosh. if you work with somebody you develop like a shorthand, like I would never ever give another actor notes. Like the, that's like the first mm. rule in the book right. is like you don't comment on an actor and actor doesn't comment on you. But Woody and I are comfortable with each other, so if I have like a funny idea for a line for him, I'll go whisper it to him and he'll mm-hmm. do the same for me. And that's the only, you can only do that with people you really trust and where it's you don't feel like you're being invasive. Yeah, I think because he hired like actors who take themselves really seriously um, and I think he was kind of governed by that so that he would, you know, like so that the tone on the set was that the acting is going to be treated uh, with seriousness, Mm -hmm. because the actors um, doing it are used to doing that, and so we're not used to doing, like, action movies where we kind of, which I can't imagine what that must be like to always do action movies. I imagine it's probably, uh, the characters are so flimsy in a lot of action movies, Mm -hmm. it's probably hard to take it seriously, so the acting probably becomes, like, secondary, and this just wasn't the case. These are actors who normally do, like, character movies, so we were all, like, um, I guess just creating a tone on set of seriousness. And um, so, and he respected that, and gave us the opportunity to do as many takes as we want, come up with as many ideas as we want. You know, I had luxuries on this movie that I don't have on like small character-driven movies, um, because we had more time to, to work on this one. Whereas when you do like a small, intimate character drama. You know, you have 20 days to shoot a movie. We had like, 70 days or something to shoot this.
1: Could, could you compare his directing style with,
0: you know, some of the past you know, working with David Fincher <laughs> or something like that? Like, Woody Allen does, like, very few takes and gives very few notes. You know, Louis does a lot of takes. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, I prefer doing a lot of takes. You know, I come from, like, theater, so to me, like, something, you know, it'll never be perfect, so the mm-hmm. least you can hope for is to do it a million times and try to get something good. Yeah. Um and uh, david fincher does a lot of takes too that was like um a, a wonderful experience because he like does um you know he'll do the same scene over and over and over again and that's great um but uh hmm i don't know it's, dra- it's strange like i mainly just remember the experiences what the character f- felt so like with this movie i felt like the character was like um it's kind of showman and i felt confident about what i was doing in the movie because my character feels confident and that translated to me and affected me. And so, like, I remember feeling, like, good about the scenes, actually. And it's strange because I normally feel disappointed after a scene is over. But I actually felt good during this. But I think that's because my character felt good about it, probably. Yeah, it's funny. We just finished a show for 200 people, and we're gearing up to do it in a much bigger theater. And I, when I was thinking about it, I actually think it would be easier in a bigger theater. There's something about performing, you know, it's like the old thing, like... Um, Well, I don't know, like that people get very nervous performing in front of their mother. I don't know if that's an old thing or this is just something people say in theater. Like it's it's nerve wracking to perform for one person you know more so than a thousand people you don't know. Because you're like going through your mind, like what is this person thinking of? And you're Mm. self conscious in front of them and you have all these associations with them off stage. And so we're about to do the same play I just did for 200 people for like a lot more people. And I think it'll be easier. When I was doing Now You See Me and there was tons of people in the audience, there's a certain energy in the room that you don't get from a, a small group right? and the energy uh, lifts you up and the audience becomes kind of like uh, another character in yeah. it because they're laughing and they're interacting so actually they are, they're another character in the way that they're giving as much as some right. of the other actors. Right. And so I think maybe a bigger audience is kind of, in a way, paradoxically easier. Um, I don't know. I mean, when I was reading the script, I thought like, what an audience would think of it which I don't really think about a lot because I'm mostly just focusing on my character, but I was thinking, like, this seems like the kind of movie that a lot of people would like. And the most interesting thing to me in thinking of it that way is, like, um, you get to see how these incredible tricks were done. So, like, in the first show, we rob a bank from a stage in Las Vegas. Uh, We rob a bank in Paris. And um, when I read it, I thought, this is impossible, like, a fantastical thing for a movie. And then Morgan Freeman's character explains to Mark Ruffalo's character how it was done. And so the audience gets to learn how these tricks were done. And to me, that was like the most interesting thing because I was so curious, you know, like as a reader uh, reading the script, how this possibly could be done. And then you realize, oh, it's actually possible. It's like very complicated and it takes like a lot of preparation, but it's possible to do.
1: Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating. If you like what you hear, we'll see you next time.